We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. I just finished reading this book about 20 minutes ago, Idol Burning by Rin Usami, and I thought we could sit down and talk about it. So first of all, when we say idol, what do we mean? If you're not familiar in Japan, Korea, they have these people who are either parts of groups, they could be solo acts too, but it's basically their pop music stars, if you will. And the music industry, well, much like America, they deliver a wide variety of options, right? You do have the self-made artists that refuse to sacrifice their vision and deliver. And then you have what I'm gonna call a product. That's not meant to be negative, but it is something that is crafted. You have music industry professionals dressing them, putting them through choreography, dance, and writing their songs for them where they're getting up there and basically performing and some with less talent than others. I was a Japanese minor. I get it. I grew up listening to heavy metal and to jazz. Pretty sad forms of music, I would say. And when I discovered Japanese pop music, I was like, wow, this is so happy. And I get the idea of following a particular band. There was one band I was particularly into. The dancing was atrocious, but you couldn't look away. It was like a car crash. You became not obsessed, but you just became so interested in every facet of what this industry was delivering in the form of this band and it goes on and on like they have skits they have dvd specials there's special showings at cafes and eventually you start getting into really heavy merchandise where you can have an alarm clock with their voice that wakes you up uh, specific colas with their faces on it and such it all comes down to kind of these fandoms and i remember like when i was in college there was this war between ayumi hamasaki and hutara hukado and who was the better pop singer and uh, literally divided friendships, right? So, so we have a way of basically really getting into idols. And that brings me to kind of the second definition of idol, uh, the idea of worship. And I will say, I read some reviews of this book before going into it, where they said the main character was mentally deranged and had problems. And now that I've read this book, I'm actually personally a little offended by that review. <laughs> When we talk about these pop stars, uh, it's kind of like for some people, it's like betting on a horse, right? You you wanna you wanna pick your oshi, as they say in Japan, and that's the person you support, the person that you want to do well, and that's exactly what the main character of this book does that we follow through, Akari. She chooses her oshi, who basically, you know, she she creates this fan club. She has a blog. She writes about him. There's other followers that come to her for news about her oshi. She's developed somewhat of a lifestyle around, you know, kind of translating for the fans uh, things that happen in this pop star's life. So when all of this gets challenged, right, if she's built her identity around being the one person that can really understand this pop star and, and she's she doesn't do it for the likes, but it does motivate her on some level, that when suddenly her pop star, like we learn in the opening pages, punches a fan, 
well, now we have social media outbreak. Now we've got flaming insults. Now we've got people who don't even know her Oshi making conjecture about what were her motivations and, you know, can she really figure out what was he thinking? And that's the crux of this novel. It's a literary fiction diving into the psyche of a young girl whose identity, in a sense, of being wrapped up in this Oshi is being challenged. And I get it, right? We all have these rituals. Right. You have something as innocent as someone says, well, I don't want to like to watch trailers because I like to go into the movie blind or I don't read the backs of books because I just want to experience the book. And there's some people that want to watch the trailers or watch reviews of should I spend my time reading this book? Short answer. Yes, it's a great character study and investigation into that moment where we get wrapped up and tied up into something externalized. And it becomes this question of when does that downward spiral of that externalization, when that starts going wrong, you know, how are you able to pull back? How are you able to see these things? Because, you know, as, as the world starts to go up and this, this pop star's news just keeps getting worse and worse, Akari's got to figure out what that means in terms of how she defends, how she spends her time, how she spends her money. And sometimes it can be hard when we have these addictions. A good example, and addiction is not even a fair word, some people make careers out of YouTube channels just playing a single video game. Well, video games have a limited lifespan most of the time. You know, average, maybe a year or two. Longer standing games might last four or five years with a good fan base, but eventually people move on, want to try new games. And you've got these people that are pushing to keep these things relevant. And why? Because, well, it's part of their livelihood, but it's also part of their identity, part of something that they love and care about. And it's about protecting that experience. In the same way that person that doesn't want to watch a trailer before a movie, well, they want to protect that experience of how they go in to seeing that movie for the first time. And in this case, how Akari kind of struggles with how does she protect her experience of what does her idol mean in her life? And let's just be honest, life is messy. There's some beautiful writing in this book that can bring out some of that. I'll give you a quote. In the same way that a night of sleep puts wrinkles in a bedsheet, just being alive took a toll. And we see that. The way that the media crafts news, the way that fans react to negative information about who they belong with or who they do or don't support, it wears upon us. Society is something that influences us and us society in some regards. And that's what's kind of weird about these Oshis and these superstars and even honestly YouTube channels like us. It's somewhat of a parasocial relationship, right? I push information out. Oshis do stuff. People like it, accept it, follow information and such. Now, they do have interactions with fans. I do interact with people that comment on videos and such. But it's not an equal two-way street. So when people tie up so much of their identity with a one-way street, an externalized focused, it does beg the question of what is a healthy balance of that informing oneself. So in summary, Idol Burning is a fantastic read. It's haunting and it's deeply emotional and impacting with its very lucid and clear writing. Mine was translated by Asa Yulneda, and the audiobook actually has Mirai reading it, who's done a couple of the Miyako Kawakami books, which are really well done. So I'd recommend checking it out. You could do it in two or three hours. I'd say a four out of five read for me and highly recommended. So if you decide to read it, let me know what your thoughts are in the comments down below. My name's been Una. Peace.